I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, the show where celebrities share stories about the foods they love most, and we dig into the history, culture, and science of those meals with experts from around the world. Today on the program, Amy Carrero. Amy stars in the excellent new film, The Menu, in theaters now. She was also the voice of She-Ra in the Netflix series, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Amy's been in a lot of things, but I was a big She-Ra fan as a kid, so I wanted to point that out. And last month, she was given the Breakout Performance Award at the Newport Beach Film Festival. Now, if you're a regular listener of the show, you know that we have a format. The celebrity guest shares their favorite foods and their last meal. And then I invite other folks to come on and elaborate on those foods. For example, in the Betsy Johnson episode, you met the designer who created Lady Gaga's meat dress out of skirt steak, an important detail. In Julia Sweeney's episode, you met the woman who created the official Nanaimo bar recipe. But this episode is a little bit different. It's a bonus episode. I wanted to make sure you heard this interview while the movie is still in theaters. So we're going to go all in on Amy and the menu. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Amy Carrero. The menu is about 12 wealthy folks who pay $1,200 each for an exclusive dining experience on a secluded island prepared by a revered chef. But the dinner doesn't exactly go as planned. You have to try the mouthfeel of the mignonette. Please don't say mouthfeel. Tonight will be madness. The film was so good, it inspired me to create a new film genre. The menu is a culinary thriller, a gastronomical thriller. Trademark, copyright, currently putting that in an envelope that I'm going to seal and mail to myself. The menu stars an ensemble cast that includes Anya Taylor-Joy, Ralph Fiennes, Judith Light, and Amy Carrero. I just watched the film last night. I loved it. I'm already texting everybody like, you can't wait for this to come out. It's so good. (laughs) So congratulations. Thank you. Um, The menu, very simply put, is about a dinner party gone horribly wrong. Have you yourself had any kitchen disasters or a meal that didn't go as planned? Oh, constantly. So my best girlfriends and I have this tradition. We do a supper club every Monday. We've done it for the last 10 years. Obviously, during COVID, it got a little uh, sidetracked. But none of us really were cooks at all to begin with. But we wanted to get together in our early, when we were in our early 20s and, and just start kind of making food for one another and hosting one another. Now I've gotten pretty good. But one of my, the first disasters, one of the first times I hosted... I wanted to make these like sloppy joes. My first mistake was I made turkey sloppy joes. My second mistake was not reading the recipe. So I think (laughs) I put, I think it called for maybe one teaspoon of brown sugar and I added like three tablespoons. So it was a sweet Mm. uh, turkey sloppy joe, which is just about the most disgusting thing you've ever put in your mouth. (laughs) I also like this idea of I'm going to have a dinner party. I'm an adult woman and I'm going to serve camp food. (laughs) Well, you know what's funny is that sometimes at the beginning, we don't do this anymore, but we We'd watch a movie and then mm. have dinner. So we were watching that movie. There was like a movie that there was a whole scene with like a sloppy Joe like food fight. Um, I think it was like a, one of the old like Ashley Olsen movies, like American and Ashley Olsen movies. And so it was like in theme, but truly never again. But now I've gotten really good. So now I would say like my best... Uh, the thing that I get requested for the most is probably either like a picadillo with like rice and beans and plantains, or I'll do um, a shepherd's pie that I kind of like stole the recipe from this restaurant in London called the Ivy. 
or I'll make uh, Julia Child's beef bourguignon if I have like a couple of days. I feel like Picadillo is just deconstructed sloppy Joe, right? Without the bun. Oh my God, you're so <laughs> right. What is my thing with like ground beef? Ground she beef. loves ground beef. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have interviewed a few food stylists over the years and cooks who have worked on films where food is featured heavily. And yes. I love learning the behind the scenes secrets. Uh, like for example, in The Good Place, the frozen yogurt that all the characters were eating was actually mashed potatoes. Potatoes, so it would keep right, its shape. Right, yeah. Yep. So in the menu, the guests are served this multi-course molecular gastronomy feast with, you know, foams and gels. Uh, can you share any behind the scenes <laughs> secrets of, you know, what this food was? Yes, absolutely. One of the first meals that's served in the menu is like a scallop on like, you know, this beautiful like sea kelp and all this stuff. But we actually had potatoes. So it wasn't a scallop. It just was a potato that was like constantly being brushed with like seawater or whatever, mm. like salty water in order to make it kind of look wet. I mean, that's what the actors were eating. But for the close-up shots, they used real scallops. For the breadless bread plate, there were like these little dips and the one I was most curious about was like this black dip, which I have no idea what it was supposed to be. Like maybe some sort of like, I don't know, mole or like a, I don't know. But it actually was just Crisco with black uh, food coloring. So they <laughs> were like, please don't eat this. It's disgusting. Some of the people I've spoken to have been very adamant about, no, I don't do that. I only make yeah. real food. You know, shooting for 12-hour days, it has to sort of stay. But they always let us know if something's not edible. The menu is a story of these rich and privileged folks who travel to an island for this meal of a lifetime. And you, I know, were a server. Um, I'm not sure yeah. for how long, but I know that you were a server at a restaurant in Beverly Hills. I was wondering yeah. if any of the storylines for these, you know, kind of persnickety, snobby customers rang true for you. Yeah, you know, the the restaurant I worked at, you know, wasn't fine dining by any means, but it was nice. It was like a steakhouse. It was nice enough. So we did get, like, we do get a lot of, we, do, we did get a lot of, like, industry people, agents, you know, people that are very busy um, and well off. And I remember one day um, I had gone to meet, this is early on in my career, I was meeting with agents. So I went to meet with this fancy agent in Beverly Hills and you know he was really nice to me and really great and wanted to sign me and then the next day he came into the restaurant and I was his server and he didn't even look up once so there was no like hey we just met yesterday he was just like anyway I'll take the bill you know and so it really teaches you I think everyone should have a service job sometime in their life because it really sort of teaches you how to treat people um but yeah, we, we, so stuff like that, you know, people that are kind of like rude or, you know, they just kind of don't want you around. And, you know, also very, people that are very particular about the food. So like we were a steakhouse and people would come in and ask for like a green juice. And we're like, we don't, we don't have, <laughs> we don't have we that, don't have that. <laughs> you yeah. know, or like, or like, can you make, can you make this salmon with no butter, no oil? And it's like, okay, so do you want it stuck to the pan? Or like, how would you like me to <laughs> right. give that to you? So yeah, a lot of like strange food requests because it is Hollywood after all. But, uh, but yeah, overall, overwhelmingly had great experience uh, working at a restaurant because it just really teaches you about humanity. It's a really good exercise in, in learning about people. And you did have one really cool experience with a celebrity. You served Larry King over a period of time. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Wow. Great research. Um, that was one of the highlights for sure. So he was a regular and he was always sat at my table and he was opening up like a bagel place just down the street. I think it might still be there. And his whole thing was he was going to bring the water in from New York. And that was like the big, what's going to make those bagels like the most authentic bagels. But it was just so lovely. And for, I mean, I worked at that restaurant probably like a year and a half and he came in many times and, 
was just really lovely. So I actually didn't have any weird bad celebrity experiences because it wasn't like a trendy place. I think if it had been like one of those hot restaurants, I would have had more of those. But nobody that came into our restaurant was like trying to appear cool or anything. They were just wanting to have a business lunch or, you know, a business dinner. You had tweeted about it when Larry King had passed away and you'd said, you know, as a Puerto Rican woman, I was so nervous. He looked so skinny. I just wanted him to eat. It's so true. (laughs) But you know what? Actually, he was bottom heavy, (laughs) which we never saw because, you know, obviously like the pointy shoulders. But when he got up, it was like all of his like healthy fat was like located like like on the bottom of his body which is such a weird thing to notice but like you know when he walked in I was like oh thank god he's not so you know he's not so thin yeah but yeah I wish I could remember his order I remember a lot of people gave me some about like not remembering his order I want to say it was like a French dip but I don't I'm not a hundred percent sure but I know it was the same thing every time and it and it was something old-timey like a French dip with like Mm -hmm. au jus and horseradish and French fries. I'm going to take this entire interview out of contact, contact and just say that you said that he has like a huge badonkadonk. Like that's yeah, the takeaway. Ass, yeah. King. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're like, even girl body shaming Larry King. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but it was actually good. It was good because I was like, man, is anyone feeding this man? But yes, he, he was very well fed. I distinctly remember when the Larry King Bagel Shop opened in Beverly Hills. I believe it was 2011, and it's called Brooklyn Water Bagel Co. I had read something about it opening, and I called my mom immediately because she is from Brooklyn, and like so many New Yorkers, likes to say the reason that New York bagels are the best is because of the water. My mom lives in San Diego, but she drove up to Beverly Hills just to try these bagels. She was waiting in line for her bagels, and... Larry King came into the shop and also got in line. So I'm talking to my mom after all of this happened, and she's like, he didn't even go up to the counter. He waited in line just like everybody else. He is such a mensch. It is time for a quick break, but when we come back, Amy shares her last meal. are married to a man who you describe as a basic eater and you say that you have to cook things that would appeal to quote a five-year-old's palate so what kind of foods are we talking about here and as a Puerto Rican woman who grew up eating you know food with a lot of flavor and spices what is it like to have to cook that way it's very sad um thankfully I do have my outlet with my girlfriends every Monday so like you know I do get my cooking in once a month at least because there's four of us but he loves very simply prepared food. It's like a chicken breast with salt and pepper. He doesn't like potatoes, which is very strange. So I'll have to make like like a asparagus, but like no no seasoning, no dressing. He's just very he likes simple foods. I don't know why that is. He's from Iowa, so maybe like not a ton of like flavor, you know, I don't know. But yeah, it's really sad. And whenever I'm going to make anything, I always like feel him tense up because if I make something, he has to clean. So maybe it's also more about that. But he's <laughs> like, um, I'm like, okay, so tonight I'm going to make, you know, uh, pollo guisado or like arroz con pollo or whatever. And he's like, mm, okay. Um, but he also is very habitual. He goes to this restaurant in Los Angeles. Uh, I think like three times a week he gets it to go. He has a plaque and it's a pizza with sausage, but it's a very like thin crust pizza and arugula and Parmesan salad. He can have the same thing 
to eat every single day. I need a little variety. Yeah. So if you're eating together, do you have like your secret secret weapon spices? Um, I'm going to do the rest of this in baby talk, if you don't mind. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We love it. Let's do it. Okay. Um, Yes, I do. I'll add like, like if I'm making a salmon or something, like he'll just have a little bit of like maybe mustard and like a little bit of like salt and pepper, but like he doesn't love garlic, which is an abomination to me. So I'll add like a bunch of garlic to mine and a bunch of spices. So yeah, I definitely like, it's not, it's not like really crushing my vibe, but it's sad because I I think like if we ever do have children, if we ever decide to have kids, I'm like, they're going to be eating the spicy. They're Mm going to be eating the stuff that is full of flavor so that we're not perpetuating this like basic palate because they're going to have to, if they're going to eat Latin food. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Your family has some Christmas traditions, some Puerto Rico Christmas traditions. Can you talk about those? Yeah, absolutely. So my mom is Dominican. I would be very remiss not to mention that. So she's Dominican. My dad's Puerto Rican. We'll eat like specific foods. So we'll eat like like a roasted pork and like pasteles, which is a very sort of I, where, what part of uh, you said you're in Seattle. Uh huh. Yeah. Somewhere? Okay. I can't imagine there's a ton of this in Seattle, but like especially on the East Coast, wherever there are Puerto Ricans, I want to say it's like a tamale, but it's made with plantain instead of corn. Mm. So it's so imagine a tamale and then there's like a kind of filling. So it's like chicken or beef or pork and um, it's wrapped in a banana leaf and steamed. It's a very sort of acquired taste. A lot of people like who aren't used to the flavor don't love it, especially kids. But as I got older, now it just it's a Christmas tradition. So now I'm like having them shipped over from like Orlando, like frozen so I can have it for, you know, it's like a really big commitment. But um, so yeah, the foods are sort of particular in that manner. Arroz con gandules, which is like, I think gandules are technically pigeon peas, I think. Mm. Um, so they'll they'll be like mixed in with the rice. It's not like a saucy rice. It's not like a bean like spread. It's like already in the rice. Uh, with pork, definitely. And tostones maybe. So that's like the Puerto Rican sort of Christmas greatest hits. And then we'll have like a tembleque for dessert, which is hard to describe. It's sort of like... It's like a creamy jello. Okay. All the Puerto Ricans listening to this are going to like literally kill me because it's so reductive to be like, it's a creamy jello, but it's like a creamy jello. And then the the best part of a Puerto Rican Christmas is what's called a parranda, which is like when your family, you know, you just take pots and pans or like, you know, anything you can make music out of and you sort of do a tour of your neighborhood, kind of like trick-or-treating. And you just knock on doors and you sing like, Spanish Christmas songs until someone opens the door and gives you either like food or some sort of booze. And that's probably the most fun. That is so fun. I'd never heard of that tradition before. I love yeah. that. So do you still go back and visit your family and do that on the holidays? Yeah. Well, now, you know, I'm married, so we have to split the holidays. But this year, my par- my my side of the family is getting Christmas, so I we will definitely be doing that. Yeah, it's really fun. It's a really nice tradition, and and it's probably annoying for the neighbors who maybe don't get it, but um, because <laughs> they're like, "Why are you knocking on my door on Christmas Eve?" But yeah, it's it's kind of nice. It's it brings the community together for sure. I can't believe I missed this. My favorite Puerto Rican like Christmassy tradition is coquito, which is sort of like an eggnog, but there's no egg. Um, and you make that with like coconut milk, coconut cream, a ton of rum, and condensed milk. And it's just like a dessert, like an after dinner sort of like not really a cocktail. You can't have too much of it. Like you maybe have like a shot glass worth. Put some cinnamon on it. Um, and it's just really nice and warm. And that to me is like Christmas personified.
Without any spoilers, without giving too much away, The Menu is a movie that revolves around last meals. So obviously I worked very hard to get this interview because it is the perfect match for this show. So let's talk about your last meal. What would your last meal be? My last meal would have to be, I can't imagine a jail would provide this, but I would say just a very simply prepared pasta, maybe like in butter with a ton of white truffles on it. Ooh, fancy. Why would that be your last meal? There's something, it's funny, I I didn't have a truffle until I was an adult. So when I did have it, it was a completely new sort of flavor profile for me. And I just remember thinking like, well, I could just eat this all day. Like I could Mm -hmm. just bathe in this. It just feels so like rich and so creamy. It's like a creamy jello, really. Like a crow, oh my God. Yeah, a creamy jello. Um, but yeah, and I had it, you know, in Italy and it was just like the best. And you can get it here, but it will cost you $200 for that plate of pasta. But in Italy, it's like 25 euro and they'll just like put a whole truffle on your plate. It's yes. amazing. So do you yeah. not have it in the States? Do you wait till you travel to have a dish like that? No, no, I have it. I mean, if it's like my birthday and if it just so happens to be available, I'll definitely have it. I mean, it's amazing, but I think it's just, you know, when they're, when you have to hunt for truffles, which I would love to do one day, um, you know, the, the, the price is like jacked up for sure. But I just love the, the taste of truffle. Tim, my husband hates it. He says it takes over the entire thing. Like he can't even have like a truffle fry. He'll be tasting it all day. Um, I would love to. I would love to bathe in truffle anything (laughs) all the time. And then also, I just love dessert. I would rather eat dessert, honestly, than dinner. So I would probably do just a very well-made cookie, Mm. like a chocolate chip cookie, which doesn't go probably with like the Italian theme. But um, yeah, that to me is like you just can't – you really can't improve on the chocolate chip cookie. Like what can you do? You know, it's it's been perfected. Yeah. What is your perfect chocolate chip cookie? Because there's a million, you know, it's like crispy or it's chewy. There's right, salt. There's right, no right. salt. Yeah. I like a thick, I like like a Levain chocolate, mm-hmm. cookie, chocolate chip cookie, which is not super easy to find on the West Coast. But there's this like, so LA, there's this like new... A company called The Last Crumb, and they'll and they, it's like one hundred and fifty dollars, and you get twelve cookies, and they're all like these thick. But there's like a waiting list; it's ridiculous. But like my <laughs> manager got them for her birthdays, and I and I was like, oh my god, I need to have one. But they're um they're like this thick, and this is probably as close as you can get to like the Levain, like New York yes. Levain cookie. But I don't discriminate. I mean, if there's like a Tate's lying around, I will happily have that. Crispy cookie is is great for me. Like literally, the only dessert that I've that I've tried that I don't love is like a panettone. Is that what it's called? Like a fruit cake? Don't love that. Oh yeah, that Christmas Italian kind of loaf. Yeah, not yeah. into that. Not into that. But anything else, shove it in my face. For her last meal, Amy wants pasta with truffles and a thick, chewy chocolate chip cookie from Levain Bakery. If my grandma Sue was still with us and she were to describe a Levain cookie, she would say, "Ooh, is that cookie tall?" It is a tall cookie. It is a thick cookie. I've never gotten to try this cookie. They're located in New York, Boston. They have a new location that just opened in Chicago. Someday that cookie will be mine. But the main course of Amy's meal is pasta with truffles. I told Amy that I was surprised to learn that you can forage for truffles up here in the Pacific Northwest. Foraging for truffles would be like the best thing. Uh, That would be my favorite hobby if I lived up there. I don't think truffles grow in Los Angeles, probably not cold enough. Um, But if they did, man, that would be my full-time job. That sounds like a fancy Easter egg hunt that could happen in LA though. Like they could just hide truffles on Easter. Easter. Yeah. They'll like, they'll ship them in from Italy, Mm -hmm. then they'll bury them in the ground. And so yeah, it'll be a thousand dollar truffle every time you find one. And that was Amy Carrero's last meal. 
The menu is in theaters now. And this is the perfect weekend to take yourself to the movies. This episode was produced and edited by me. Your Last Meal is a production of Slide Down the Dinosaur Media. Original theme music by Prom Queen. Make sure you're following along on Instagram, Hello Rachel Bell, and Your Last Meal now has a newsletter. And if you sign up, you'll be alerted to events, giveaways, bonus content, and other fun food-related things that I think you might like. And the very first giveaway is happening the first week of December. That's all I'm going to say about it, but only subscribers will be entered to win. You can find a link to the newsletter in the show notes or go to rachelbell.substack.com. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is your last meal. Rachel Bell, signing you in. Thank you. Please introduce yourself and begin. Hello, I am Rachel Bell, host of the podcast Your Last Meal, which was why this was such a perfect match for an interview. Good morning. Yes. Hi. Good morning, Rachel. Thanks for having me.